we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this March the 7th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. With me will be Pastor Mark Smith as we take a look at the hymn, May God Bestow on Us His Grace. This is a hymn written by Martin Luther and is a paraphrase of Psalm 67. In fact, he wrote this providing German songs for the congregation. On May the 6th, by the way, in 1524, a man was arrested in Magdeburg for singing Luther's versification of Psalm 67, Psalm 130, and selling copies of them. That's how hard it was to have hymns in the vernacular. Unless God converts them is in the hymn, meaning the world. And this has led to this hymn being called the first missionary hymn of the Reformation. Among the many stories related to this hymn, the German musicologist Edward Emil Koch refers how Gustavus Adolphus of Sweden, he died in 1632, during the Thirty Years' War, commanded that the hymns, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and this hymn, May God Bestow on Us His Grace, be played by trumpets and kettle drums before the battle at Lützen in 1632. The Protestant forces won and triumphed, but Gustavus Adolphus lost his life. This is selected as the hymn of the day for Lent three, which just so happens to be this next Sunday, March the 12th, 2023. Pastor Mark Smith, this is a hymn that is going to be used, I know, in our service, and it's a hymn that has some... So do you have any initial response about the Well, I loved your introduction. Uh, your, your, the introduction that you just read to us has increased my appreciation for this hymn greatly. Yes. It's not, it's not a favorite melody, and, and yet there are two melodies provided. I know how one goes. I'm not sure about the other, but it's, it's listed twice in our hymnal. It, uh, it's so highly regarded. And, of course, it is. Uh, it, it is the first missionary hymn of the Reformation, and that, that makes it uh, certainly worthwhile, too. But I didn't. I didn't know about the history about being played by by the army of Gustavus Adolphus before that battle. That's uh, that's very interesting and uh, memorable. I'm glad you read that. And isn't it something how uh, how people were persecuted for for simply uh, uh, handing out? This hymn 
in the vernacular that people could read. Can you imagine being at such a time that you, they Do didn't you want it to go into they didn't want it to to be used in language that you could well understand, but I guess just in Latin. Yes. That's where the hymns were sung. And so this is one of the first German hymns and, and Luther was encouraging poets to write hymns of an evangelical nature, namely of a Lutheran nature from the Bible. And so that's why a mighty fortress is so well known, but this may God bestow on us his grace is also. So if you would maybe begin with the first stanza. Okay. May God bestow on us his grace with blessings rich provide us. And may the brightness of his face to life eternal guide us, that we his saving health may know, his gracious will and pleasure, and also to the nations show Christ's riches without measure, and unto God convert them. Yes, that last line is where you get the missionary emphasis. Right, right. That we're talking about the world. It's yeah. kind of interesting, though. We make a distinction between justification and sanctification. This first stanza, which one is it really talking about more? I think it's talking, well, well, it's, there's, uh, it's, it's got gospel in it. Well, both has gospel, justification and sanctification. Yeah, right, right. I, I, I think it's sanctification because when does God bestow on us his grace? He bestows on us his grace uh, through his gospel. Well. And, of course, that's I'm talking, thinking, that's I'm thinking talking about baptism. Okay, okay, baptism. Now, now I have a question for you. Um, well, before we le leave that point, let me get that straightened out in people's minds. Okay. What happens at baptism? Well, he he puts upon he he puts his righteousness upon us, his robe of righteousness, and washes he washes away all of our sins, and he also, if we're infants. And if we're not in the faith yet, like John the Baptist would have been, uh, he kindles faith in our in our in our hearts, and and his Holy Spirit begins to dwell within our bodies, making our bodies his temple. So all of those things uh, uh, happen at baptism. That that's what I think is meant by with blessings rich provide us. That occurs uh -huh. in the life of sanctification. After we have been justified by Jesus Christ, we get all these wonderful, rich blessings. What's your question? Okay, my question has to do with the uh, second or third line. And may the brightness of his face to life eternal guide us. Now, of course, you could get that right out of the, uh, right out of the second part of the uh, Aaronic benediction. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. And I think, of course, uh, uh, that's especially in Jesus. Uh, Jesus, In Jesus, God reveals himself to us. But um, uh, 
you know, how would you say the brightness, how would you explain to a child uh, the brightness of Jesus' face? We can't see him. No, I think what it's getting that is is through his gospel. We we see his face through his gospel, uh, whether that comes to us through baptism or the Lord's Supper or or through the gospel of his word. What do you think? There's an there's another part of the benediction that. I asked the congregation what it meant. They didn't know what it meant. And it's, and may his countenance be lifted up. And they didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? Let's see. Let me, let me review the, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. I think that's speaking, wouldn't you say that's speaking more about the word, about the work of the Holy Spirit? Giving no, us what peace? What does the word countenance mean? Countenance is his, okay, his, uh, his appearance. His face. His face? Right. Yes. If he lifts up his countenance, he looks up to you and to take care of you. Lifting up his countenance means you are really in front of his face. And that's how I interpret this. May the brightness of his face to life eternal guide us. It's part of the benediction. Right. Yeah. I, I remember the ben I thought of the benediction, too, as I was reading that line. Um, right. But the word yeah, countenance only... specifically means face. Uh-huh. Countenance. Okay. Yeah. Should've I should have looked that up in the dictionary, but it's it's not listed in the hymn, but you're right, it's part of the benediction. Yes. Uh we use it more in the old hymn though than we do in the new. Mm-hmm. And and that's why people um Two of the four congregations I'm helping with use the old hymnal. And that's where I announce that benediction at the end. And then after the service, I ask them, what does the word countenance mean? And nobody in the congregation was able to answer it. So we have to explain what a lot of times the English means. Sure, absolutely. So here's another one. Vouchsafe. <laughs> How do you explain that? Vouchsafe. <laughs> yeah, put it in a sentence. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. I, I can't think. <laughs> I can't think of a sentence that I'd use with vouchsafe in it. But it's a word yeah, that comes uh, to mind as being hard to explain. But it, it's used to keep us safe, to keep his vows. That's what we're really asking for there. Oh, uh-huh. That God will keep his vows as he has promised. You think that's what it means by vouchsafe? Yes. Okay, I'll take your word for it. And may the brightness of his face to life eternal guide us. So is that guiding us to heaven? Yes, I would agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, as we, I would say as we fix it, our eyes, we fix our eyes on Jesus. 
Uh, yes, he leads I don't us think to heaven. it means. I don't think it means to heaven eternal guide us. You don't think it so? It means to the life we have here on earth. Hmm. That's what sanctification is all about. Right. Right. Okay. The brightness. We look of his at the face. brightness of His face while we're in the kingdom of God here on earth in the Holy here Christian Church. Right. Isn't that okay. what when you preach a sermon? that that is your goal, to guide people to eternal life here on earth? Right. We, our eternal life begins already with our baptism. Exactly. Well said. Yeah. So that we, his saving health, may know. Now, a lot of Christians get sick. So what is saving health? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question, that we, his saving health, may know. His gracious will and pleasure. It's, the word, is it talking about? Is it? Ta it's not talking about physical health, is it? No. It's talking about the spiritual health. Strong that faith. Given. That's Strong right. faith. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you, you go to a hospital. Somebody is depressed. They're going to have surgery. Do you start reading? to them from the newspaper, some article or something? What do you do <laughs> not, instead? Uh, especially not these days, no. Uh, yeah, you, you read them, uh, solid gospel, absolutely. And that creates a new attitude in their heart. Right. Uh, my goal every time I go to the hospital is though I walk into someone who's depressed and worried, I want to walk out with a smile on their face and actually looking forward to God taking care of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's sometimes a challenge when people are weighed down with uh, the cares the, of the world. What does the hymn say is his saving health? The very that next we, line. His gracious will and pleasure. Yes. Now, when we think of God's pleasure, what does that mean? His pleasure is his, his well, it go, corresponds with his will. Yes. Uh, he, he wants only the best for us. Right. In fact, there's a Bible verse that all things work together all for All things work good. together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his word. Or Yes. Uh, what most comforting passage in the in the, the New Testament, I think. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Romans yeah, eight twenty eight. Romans yeah, eight twenty eight. Favorite to all of you us. You can't lose as a Christian. You cannot lose. We can only well win. Yeah. Yep. And also to the nations show Christ's riches without measure. Now wait a minute. How can you show nations Christ's riches that has no measure? Well, what is that talking about? It's what talking his about riches? his riches, uh, of course, the gospel, which we have in the word and sacrament, the good news of his redemption, that he reaches out to, he, he has redeemed all people, that they too are precious to him. Um, this is the second time in the verse that the word rich is used. 
Yeah, yeah. Here he says Christ riches. I'm trying to think where the first time is. With blessings rich provide us. Oh, that's right. Yeah, with blessings rich provide us. Yeah. Christ riches without measure. That's overflowing. You know, like we think of the, uh, my cup overfloweth. And without measure means there's no way we can earn or gain them by our works. They come free. And Not only people that, are those... wondering, how are they going to get out of their problems? How can they be comforted? And that's what we talk about when we talk about God's riches or Christ's riches without measure including the forgiveness of sins and his many promises. Call me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you, etc., etc. His innumerable promises. You can't even count them. They're, no. so, they're so plenteous. But his notice, riches without measure. What? How do we convert someone? What all do we, we share do, with them? All we can do is sow the seed of the gospel it's up to God to give the growth. The Holy Spirit brings forth growth. But what is that seed? The gospel. Right. Now, we keep saying the word gospel, but a lot of people may think the gospel is the good news that when we obey the commandments, we're saved. What do you no. mean by the gospel? I mean the gospel that uh, Christ has atoned for all of our sins. He's washed all of our sins away. Yeah, uh, he, he's one. He's one heaven for us. Absolutely. Yes. All right. I'll read stanza two. Thine over all shall be the praise and thanks of every nation, and all the world shall raise the voice of exaltation, for thou shalt judge the earth, O Lord, nor suffer sin to flourish thy people's pasture is thy word their souls to feed and nourish in righteous paths to keep them now i find that interesting the lord's going to judge the earth but he's not going to allow sin to flourish isn't that a contradiction No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say there is a, a contradiction that, in that at all. Uh, he's going to judge the earth, and uh, he will not permit sin to flourish. No, he uh, he curtails it. Uh, yes. In in fact, Satan can not go one more millimeter than what God permits. Yes. So Satan has no power at all. None. Except what God permits him to have. Exactly, right. Remember, he had, when he wanted to tempt Job, he had to go to God for permission. That's right. And God and, told him how far he could go, and that's it. And therefore, he had also God's permission to tempt Adam and Eve. Why would God allow that? Well... Uh, perhaps for the same reason he, he even permitted uh, the Apostle Paul to be, you know, remember uh, 
Paul recognizes that uh, his thorn in the flesh was a messenger from Satan sent to buffet him. Oh, that's good. Yes. And therefore, we never have figured out what that thorn in the flesh is. Some people think it was his inability to speak properly or, or something along those lines, or maybe his eyesight, because he says with large letters, I write a part of the scriptures. Right. And a lot right. of times he used a secretary. So we're not sure what was that thorn in the flesh. But in a sense, does not every pastor have a thorn in the flesh? Yeah, that's that's one reason why. I think that's uh, planned. Um, it's 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 it enables us to identify a little bit more with Paul's thorn in the flesh if we don't know what it was. Right. We, we can we can uh, we can connect it with ours. Can yeah, I'd say we all a, have a, a thorn in what, the flesh. What? What's your thorn in the flesh? Can you ever think of that? Oh yeah, I uh, I have a lot of them, <laughs> but I guess I'm one that uh, I hate loose ends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hate not having everything tied up, and uh, that's because you don't like to use the computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still in the 20th century, you know. Now, my thorn in the flesh is I, I just heard a pastor who had returned to a congregation that he had served for some years, but it was 10 years afterwards they were having a celebration. And he came back to the congregation, and guess what he was able to do? He was able to remember the names of every person in the congregation. Wow. That's a thorn Pretty in good. the flesh. I don't have. No, I don't either. <laughs> yes, boy. Yeah, if I don't get my if I don't get my sleep, my name recall is very poor. Yep, yep. Uh, I remember the first time I was at St. James and we were uh, installing the officers. I didn't have a paper in front of me, and I had known them, of course, from board meetings. Yeah, and I started to go through saying their name before they would become an elder, etc., And I, I, I lost some of that. So ever oh, since a... then, I always have it written out. Yeah, that's name. right. Yeah. Well, I remember a pastor who let us begin the Lord's Prayer, and he says, come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let the... <laughs> <Oop."> <laughs> so you got to be careful. You could oh, have yeah. a good memory by yourself. Yeah, that's Boy. right. I drew a blank once when I was leading the kids in our school, the Lord's Prayer. Can you believe it? I drew, I suddenly drew a blank just right in the middle of it. And let I me know. tell you, those kids those kids don't forget that. <laughs> no. In fact, they probably kept going with it. Well, you yeah. drew, drew. All oh, right. Oh, that was St a big That was a big laugh they had. Yeah. Stanza 3. Okay. And this is a doxological verse. It has a triangle in front of it. And that means it's, it speaks of all three persons of the Trinity. Oh, yes. let the people praise thy worth in all good works increasing. The land shall plenteous fruit bring forth. Thy word is rich in blessing. May God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit bless us. Let all the world praise him alone.
Let solemn awe possess us. Now let our hearts say, Amen. You know, isn't it interesting, Tom? It's worth noting that, that he talks about all three persons of the Trinity. And in the very next line, he says, let all the world praise him alone. He's talking about the, the Trinity. We don't, we don't uh, believe and worship three gods, but it's one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three yes, and one. in fact, the word for God in the Old Testament is Elohim, which is the plural right. for the word God. But right. every time it's used in a sentence about the Trinity, it's always followed by a singular verb. Right. So that really shows three in one, even in the Old Testament. Yes. How do you understand this idea the land shall plenteous fruit bring forth. Is that talking about what farmers do, or what is it talking about? No, I think it's it's making the point that uh, God's word does not return empty. Where the gospel is preached, uh, growth will come forth. People people will be converted. Uh, uh, the church will grow. God, all we can do is plant the seed, but it, it, it's God who gives the growth. But the Look land. Look at the next line. Yeah. Uh, thy word is rich in blessing. Yes. That's what it's talking about. In other words, whatever situation you're in, God's word can come through and continue to bless you. It will not return right. empty. Yeah, his word will not return empty. Okay. Um, so this is a hymn used for the third Sunday in Lent, which will be this coming Sunday. So thanks so very much for helping us with this, Pastor Mark Smith. May God bestow on us his grace. One tune was from Luther's Day in 1524. The other tune is by David Lee, who was born in 1956. We'll be using the Luther tune at worship this week. I'm Tom Baker with Mark Smith. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.